When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza podcast, where we serve up delicious slices of mythology, zoology and urban legends it's an interesting combination of flavors weird but it works today's special is norse mythology i'm your hostess ashley and with me today as always are the lovely and loquacious emily Ooh. and Lindsay. that's right five dollar word <laughs> oh, <laughs> i hear loquacious and i instantly think of road to el dorado yeah I knew your sister. I still haven't seen that. Uh, <laughs> really? Still haven't seen it. I hear loquacious and I think of lascivious instead. And then I'm just like, ooh, sexy. <laughs> uh, no, I don't normally get on uh, recorded audio and call my friends lascivious. But uh, <laughs> if, that's that's fair. A, if that's a request, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> well, I do still have my pants on, so I have that going for me. For now. <laughs> Emily, do you have your pants on? I wore shorts today, but we also haven't talked about Pluto yet, so. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's not really any Pluto in this story. There's a lot of other stuff, though. All right, so going to go ahead and read off my sources. Probably going to mess some of these up because I think this is like the one part where I was like, you don't need to know how to say names. Don't put them in there phonetically. And you know what? That's okay because I'm going to probably hopefully get most of these right. I'm going to hopefully get like 85% maybe. (laughs) All right. So the first source that I used was translated by Henry Adams Bellows and it was The Poetic Edda. And the author of that is unknown which is why all I can tell you is who translated it. Mm. Then I have Snorri Sturluson's The Prose Edda, translated by Arthur Gilchrist Brodeur. Next up, I have Daniel McCoy's book, The Viking Spirit, An Introduction to Norse Mythology and Religion. Is he related to that McCoy family of the Hatfield fame? The Hatfields. Uh. (laughs) The Hatfield fame. I knew you were either going Hatfield McCoys or Bones McCoy, but no, I don't think he's he's related to those. Hopefully he's related to Bones McCoy. He's my favorite McCoy. I aspire to be that cranky. I'm working on it. (laughs) Now I'm just thinking of uh, Carl Urban as Bones. Maybe I will get some lascivious in here. We'll see. You're going to because I'm going to be talking about Loki. (laughs) My pants are coming off. Just kidding. (laughs) Probably. Probably. (laughs) I also used a couple of pages from the website Norse Mythology for Smart People. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. 
right. Oh, you, Lindsay almost shot that drink out of her nose. <laughs> I did. I caught it at the last second. I was like, oh, no. And then I used three different articles from Wikipedia, and I'm not going to tell you the exact articles because I don't want to give away what I'm doing just yet, even though these lovely ladies already know. It'll be in the show notes. It's in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. You can look there. Later. Later. Not right now. I'm talking. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. (laughs) Let's start with the basics. And yes, sadly and depressingly, there were several times that I was like, I don't even know where to start this. So that's how we ended up here. And I'm not sorry. So the Vikings. (laughs) The Vikings were the northern branch of Germanic people who dwelled in Scandinavia. Today, those are the countries of Sweden, Denmark, and Norway. And thus how I am sneaking this in during our Norwegian triptych. That's right. (laughs) I cheated, and I'm not sorry. (laughs) I approve. However, the Vikings also lived in Iceland and the Faroe Islands. So they were kind of all over the place, but that's what happens when you're sort of a nomadic group who goes around conquering other people and taking their shit. (laughs) Going around conquering people, you. Taking their shit. Being like, yeah, we're cool. We're going to come steal your whole village. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Hey, I'm a Viking. I want this meal. <laughs> they just lick their fingers and like stick their stick them in the ground. I own this now. This is mine. I licked it. <laughs> I've licked it. Secondhand, secondhand licked still counts. <laughs> mine now. From the 8th to the 11th centuries, known as the Viking Age, they raided, pillaged, and settled their way through parts of Europe, including the British Isles, Greenland, and the Baltic Coast. But they are known to have traveled as far as the Middle East, North America, specifically Newfoundland, the Mediterranean, and the northern part of the continent of Africa. Ooh. You might say they really got around. (laughs) They did. Like herpes, but in a good way. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) Like chlamydia and a koala population. Whoa, all right. You did say loquacious. Here's the problem. What you just said (laughs) makes the next sentence that I have read very differently. (laughs) But I'm not going to change it. But I'm not going to change it because I want everyone to have the moment of strangeness that I just mentally had. (laughs) All right. As you can probably imagine, this means the Vikings brushed against, influenced, and were influenced by many other cultures over the course of those centuries. They got up close and personal. I just want you to know that I originally did not mean brushed against sexually, but here's what happened. And there's lascivious. I mean, there definitely was some of that, though. So yeah. they just leave a lasting, a lasting impression, and that's okay. Is it? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> better than herpes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. By the time the Viking Age began. Old Norse had split off from the common Germanic language, but since languages grow and change over time, this had likely been in the process of happening for a long period before the shift was completed. For most of their history, Vikings were followers of what we call the Old Norse religion. 
And that's what today's myth hails from, although they did later convert to Christianity. Apparently that was all the rage. I don't know. So, what was Old Norse religion? Well, it turns out that's super difficult to answer, but I'm gonna try. So, according to scholar Daniel McCoy, Old Norse religion was, quote, the means the Vikings used to acknowledge and to connect to the numinous. It was a set of symbolic ideas, personages, stories, and ritual actions appropriate to facilitating that pursuit within the context of the Vikings' time and place, end quote. Now, we have a new problem, which is if you don't know what the word numinous means, don't worry, I got you. Hey. <laughs> Rudolf Otto defines the numinous as a, quote, non-rational, non-sensory experience or feelings whose primary and immediate object is outside the self, end quote. So basically, any feeling or sensory experience that is wholly other to the realm of normal human experience. So it's kind of an extraordinary otherness that isn't part of your everyday life. Okay. I'm not sure I've ever felt that before. Well, I haven't either, but I'm a heathen, so that's probably why everything's magic. I have felt a crushing sense of existential dread, but that's different. <laughs> and no one should think it's the same thing. <laughs> now, if those definitions seem a bit tenuous or more fluid than you expected, they should. Old Norse religion had neither creeds nor scriptures to define acceptable or unacceptable behaviors or beliefs. So... The concept in itself is not pinned down. It's not tied to any specific written set of rules or stories. In fact, Old Norse had no word for religion. Mm. And many of the aspects we see as falling under the umbrella of religion today were incorporated into other parts of everyday life for the Vikings. What we would today refer to as a secular hierarchy of kings, chieftains, etc. was the same as the Viking religious hierarchy in the sense that these rulers were seen to be divinely appointed. And it was these same rulers who led public activities that we look at today as religious rituals. So honestly, a lot of this is kind of us trying to force their ideas to fit a framework and a mold that we understand. Mm -hmm. And that's why those definitions don't feel satisfying is basically what I'm trying to say, but in like a smarter way than the way that I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as establishing norms of right and wrong, which is what a lot of us view as being one of the big purposes of religion... That was generally done on the community level or the individual level rather than like some established code that all Viking tribes had and shared. It just wasn't like that. All right. So now that that part's out of the way, let's get to the fun part where I don't have to define like 15 different things so that we can <laughs> keep going. <laughs> The good news is I think for the most part, the main gods of today's story will be known to listeners as long as they have some familiarity with the Thor movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is kind of a depressing thing to say if you're somebody who doesn't like those movies. But honestly, you get a decent amount of a peek into Norse mythology from looking at them, although they change a fuck ton of stuff, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. 
So the supreme god is Odin, sometimes referred to as the All-Father. So he's basically their Zeus. And his most famous son is Thor. You know, the incredibly ripped dude who carries around a hammer. (laughs) 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 Meow, meow. Meow, meow. Loki, as we touched on previously on this podcast, is a trickster god who often betrays his fellow gods by either metaphorically or literally stabbing them in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there are a couple of other minor things that we need to touch on before we get into the actual story, because otherwise I'm going to be telling it. I have to keep stopping to explain what things are. So if you'll bear with me for a couple more minutes, we'll be there. So there is a gigantic sacred ash tree known as Yggdrasil, around which exists everything else in the universe, including the nine realms. So the actual center of the universe in Norse mythology is this big sacred tree, which is kind of gorgeous. And yes, Emily, you love it. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Now... The Nine Realms. Uh, Yeah, so about the Nine Realms, we don't actually have a full listing of what the Nine Worlds were that were part of the Nine Realms, which is fun. So if that list ever existed, it's gone. We don't have it anymore. (laughs) But I can tell you what some of them were. So obviously there's Asgard, home of the gods, and Midgard, which is Earth. And honestly, beyond that, we don't really need to worry about the rest of the Nine Realms. Because they're not going to be in the story anyway. (laughs) So let's not. You should know, however, that Yggdrasil's branches extend all the way up into the heavens. And that it has three great roots that support it from below. So this tree is super important. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Oh, and this is like a total nerd thing that I didn't need to put in. But I did anyway. Because like (laughs) I wrote the story and I'm allowed to decide what stays in. So I'm, I'm doing it. So, by the way, there's a really cool separate myth when a serpent or worm, because the old Mm -hmm. Norse word is worm, W-Y-R-M, which can actually be interpreted either of those ways or also a third way that's kind of like a dragon. Mm -hmm. But his name is Nithogr, and he gnaws at one of the three roots of Yggdrasil, causing great destruction to this enormously important sacred tree. And that story is really cool. But I couldn't do it because I already picked a story. (laughs) Which, by the way, brings me to the point where I tell you that what we're actually going to be talking today is Ragnarok. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. (laughs) We're ready for this. Yes. Thank you. Yep, that's the one. All right. So Ragnarok has been interpreted two different ways. Ragna is unanimously understood to mean the ruling powers or the gods, but the latter section has two variants. There's Rok, R-O-K, meaning fate or destruction, or Rokur, R-O-K-K-R, meaning twilight. Thus, the overall compound has been interpreted as meaning either the fate of the gods or the twilight of the gods. Those are different things. Yeah. (laughs) But Ragnarok isn't just about the fate of the gods or, you know, if you want to skip to the end, it's not just about the end of the gods. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we're wrecking life today. This is a world ender. You better be here for it. (laughs) 
it's not just the end of the gods, it's the end of everything, as in the entire cosmos. So this particular myth actually has two divergent endings. In one, the tale and all of life ends after the earth is submerged into the ocean and all of existence is consigned into an unending void. Isn't that nice? Yay. Sounds very charming. It's black like my soul and I like it. <laughs> Sounds brisk. <laughs> it does. It does. Very wet. There is another version, though, where the world is eventually reborn. Most scholars, Daniel McCoy included, believe that this ending was a later addition to the original myth that is heavily influenced by Christianity. I'm going to go ahead and say they're probably 100% right on the money yep. about that. Yep. Because yep. the whole everything ends, but then it's a cycle and it begins again thing mm -hmm. is a very Christianity-based thing. Mm -hmm. in my experience. So I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, um, that's probably true, which means that the original ending is going to be, I don't, I hate to say more pure, but you know, in terms of trying to get at the actual historical roots of this story, I think we're going to be much closer with that original pagan ending mm -hmm. than we are if we're like, everything starts over. So when I tell the story today, it doesn't start over. So I was like, fuck that. We're not doing that. <laughs> no. So if you're somebody who needs things to be shiny and happy, just know inside that there's another version of this story where everything's reborn at the end. I'm just not shiny and happy, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> just letting you know. I don't like to snuff out everybody's hope, but I'm going to. <laughs> okay, so I just want to point out a couple more things about the story and then I promise we'll actually start because I know you're probably like, oh my god, shut up. We don't care. <laughs> so McCoy also argues that we can learn a great deal about the Viking outlook on life from the myth of Ragnarok. And I have to say, having read some of his commentary on it, I really like his take on the story and that's why I'm leaving this in here. I want you to just think I'm a mean person who's like, fuck you, I'm not going to restart the world. It's just over. I want you to understand part of the reason why I decided to stick to it and it's because of what he says about it. So on the one hand, you could assume that there'd be a sense of futility to life for Vikings. Everything has already been decided, and while you can make choices and achieve things, anything you do will ultimately be lost, erased even from memory when the entire Earth perishes in Ragnarok. But there's another way to look at it, too. If the gods also perish, and they are able to go out on the battlefield and face their fate with courage and dignity, then men can do the same thing. If your days are limited and you know from the outset that you only have so much time, you should make each day count by performing the best deeds that you can before you run out of time. Seize the day, you know, all that motivational poster stuff, but like the glory of war version, probably. <laughs> and I think there's something really beautiful about that. The idea that, yes, we're all going to die, like even gods die. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do anything. It means mm -hmm. you should do the best you can because you don't know when your number's up. And I kind of like it. Mm -hmm. It gave me goosebumps. I would 100% have to agree. As an atheist, I don't believe in an afterlife. 
And I, I don't know, for me, I feel like that makes me cherish every day a little more. Like, this is really special. There's nothing else that comes after this. I have to enjoy every moment that I can. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's kind of like similar thinking for them. Yeah, I think it is. You know, I have like this weird, I have like this weird extra thing, which I don't know if I really want to say out loud, but I guess I'm going to go ahead because like, whatever, we're just recording this for people to listen to it later. It doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) if I just am like, here's my private beliefs about life. But I think in some like weird, twisted way, the fact that you are going to die almost gives what you do more meaning because you only have X number of days or hours or whatever to do whatever it is that you're going to do. So whatever you choose to do with that is kind of beautiful and it's your own kind of story that you get to weave out of whatever you've got. And there's something more beautiful about the fact that you know it's going to end eventually. If you had all of life stretching out before you in some like bizarre eternity where you never age, let's just all pretend we're vampires. If all of life just stretches out before you, doesn't it kind of look meaningless? Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. have unlimited time to do whatever you want, like does any day matter? Does a year matter? Does eternity fucking matter? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But like if you only have... A certain number of years and you don't even know how many that is there's kind of an urgency and a beauty to whatever you choose to do at that time mm-hmm. absolutely agree all right so we're done talking about that let's get to some uh death and stuff right let's do it <laughs> life is great here's death here is the end of the cosmos uh all right we're finished with our appetizers i'll be back with the main course right after this break Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. I know personally, whenever I have to go through the airport, which is something that I hate doing, having to wrestle with multiple bags is a struggle, especially once you start getting through the TSA line. So having an option to just be able to easily attach everything to one bag sounds heavenly. I would have to agree. I've been doing a whole bunch of traveling lately for conferences as a grad student and trying to carry around a whole bunch of bags is a humongous pain in the butt. And it's even more concerning when you have to check something and then you don't know if it's going to make it to your final destination. So having those carry-ons really matters. Being able to easily get from one point to another is a big deal in travel and DB will help you get there. We are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10 or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on, time to get going. And we're back. I hope you're hungry because it's time for the main course and it's kind of a big one. All right, let's do this thing. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. 
<laughs> got us both dancing. Because <laughs> you know we're both singing in our heads now. I know you are. <laughs> All right. So Odin, feeling a sense of impending doom, called upon a wise woman to come forth from the beyond and tell him what had been and what was to be. She told the Allfather about the creation of the world, the origins of dwarf and man, and about the first war. To further prove herself, she revealed some of Odin's own secrets to him. And when he was satisfied with the wise woman's knowledge and accuracy, they turned their attention to what had not yet come to pass, the events of Ragnarok. On a day that had yet to be chosen by the Norns, who are the spinners of fate, a great winter would be unleashed upon the world. It would last three times as long as the normal winter, with no summery respites to break up the darkness and cold. This bleakness and hardship will dissolve even the strongest human bonds, and all of mankind's goodness will be lost. I know, that's kind of a huge bummer. It's kind of bleak. Bummer. Oh, <laughs> it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to it's gonna be okay, though. It's just a story. At the, when I finish the story, hopefully the world won't be over and everything will be fine. And then I'll make fun of some stuff. Well, I got to say that Thor's outside my window right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've got a bit of that happening over here, too, which is giving it a very, it was a dark and dreary night. Like, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a mood. It works. <laughs> Loving embraces will become death grips. And so the world of men will descend into an age of swords and axes, leaving not a single shield in one piece. That escalated quickly. <laughs> well, it has to, because otherwise I know. we're here to wear 84. <laughs> I know. The wolves, Skull and Hati, finally capture their long-pursued prey, the sun and the moon. Ooh. The stars, too, will vanish, and so the sky will darken into a hopeless landscape under which the earth will shudder and quake with such ferocity that the mountains will be reduced to rubble and trees will be torn up at the roots. Yggdrasil itself will totter. <laughs> the sounding of Heimdall's horn warns the gods that doom is on the horizon. So Odin will fruitlessly look to the head of Mimir, cleaved off ages ago in battle, for some way to avert disaster. Beasts once imprisoned by the gods find themselves set free. The monstrous serpent, your moon Gundir, rises from the depths of the sea, deluging the land with water as he slithers up the surface. As he makes his way across the land, your moon Gundir's venom poisons everything it touches. Convulsions sever the chains of Fenrir, who emerges from his prison, eyes and nostrils spitting forth flames. Quick pause, is there anything more metal than a giant wolf who has flames coming out of its eyes and nose? <laughs> like, that's the most metal shit I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god. I was just thinking that too. I was like, damn. Ah. I totally picture it as, uh, oh my gosh, Jack Black's band, Tenacious D, Tenacious like, D. Uh, like the way that they would illustrate shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so badass. I love it. 
All right. Anyway, serious, serious face. Sorry. 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 Mm. I can do it. I can totally do this. Hmm. Unleashed, the great wolf runs across the world with his massive jaws spread wide as he indiscriminately consumes everything that dares to cross his path between heaven and earth. Damn. Oh, yeah. Hungry. I'm he's hungry. Very hungry. Hey, I was just thinking hungry too. He's hungry. Hang- That's why I have flames coming out of my face. Well, <sighs> somebody hand him a Snickers. He's been chained up for a really long time, so it's mm-hmm. like, woo! I'm hungry. I'm gonna eat all your shit now. Shouldn't have left me over there. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, punishing you for leaving him chained up. It's what dogs do. The cool thing is, if he has flames coming out of his mouth, and he's cooking the food before he eats it, he oh, won't yeah. get sick later. But it smells really good then. <laughs> or really bad. <laughs> bacon everywhere. Bacon. Bacon. Is it human or is it a pig? I don't nom, know. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. I just want to warn you that this next part is kind of icky. So nobody, Fuck my shit up. Listen, nobody <laughs> oh, get God, mad please. at me. Nobody get mad at me because I didn't make this shit up. I wasn't even alive then. <laughs> Even if you believe the thing about me being like 1,500 years old, I wasn't alive when this happened. All right, let's do it. The quaking of the earth unmoors the longship Nagfar made from the fingernails of the dead. Oh, God. Not fingernails, not finger. It's it's a whole Viking longship made entirely of dead people fingernails. I have, ni- I have nightmares. I literally have nightmares about fingernails. Oh, God, they're going to happen again. I'm sorry. Oh, God. I just picture it like scales, like a scaly ship. No. But it's, yeah. Emily's broken. Fingernails are a thing. All right. I'm not going to say the F word. I'm not going to say that F word anymore. I can't. My favorite F word's probably going to happen. (laughs) So anyway, Nagfar gets unmoored from the bottom of the sea. With Loki at the helm, it sails over the flooded parts of the world, striking fear into the hearts of the gods at the sight of the countless giants manning its innumerable oars. Made out of what? Uh, what are Boss the horses made out of? <laughs> Fingers with big old nails at the end. Like, it's made uh, out, No, listen, I read it wrong. It's made out of false knots, so it's a donut. <laughs> They're floating on a sea of coffee. It's delicious. It's, it's very intimidating. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Well, it's not going to be okay because everything ends in <laughs> the story. I probably shouldn't lie. <laughs> How dare you? The dome of the sky splits open with a booming crack from which the fire giants will emerge, led by Surtur, who brandishes a flaming sword. The army marches across the Bifrost, causing it to collapse from the immense weight it carried. Fire giants ransack Asgard, causing the inhabitants to flee for their lives. Fully aware of their imminent fate, the gods choose to wage war. After they arm themselves, they march to the battlefield and face their foes. Surtur and the Fire Giants, Rhyme and the Rhyme Giants, Fenrir, your Moon Gondir, and Loki with all the champions of hell. 
That's a lot of foes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of foes. Odin, with his golden helmet and spear, rides forth with a chosen host of human champions brought forth from Valhalla by the Valkyries to do battle with Fenrir. Odin and the human champions shall fight more magnificently and more valiantly than any host ever has before or since. But, unable to overcome the awesome might of Fenrir, all shall be swallowed whole by the beast. Nice. Odin's son Vidar sets his vengeance upon Fenrir soon after, and he has something Odin and his host did not. A special shoe made from all the leather scraps ever discarded by humans, specifically for the purpose of besting Fenrir. Wait for it. This is pretty fucked. Wait for it. This is pretty fucked up, but it's cool. Okay. So with his foot on the wolf's lower jaw with this shoe on it, Vidar seizes the upper jaw in his grasp. Do you need to take your headphones off? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Oh, oh God, God. No. For those of you that don't know, I'm motioning a splitting. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Vidar seizes the upper jaw in his grasp and brutally breaks the beast's jaw, ending his reign of terror. Now, there are some versions of this story that have Vidar stabbing Fenrir in the heart instead. But personally, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably the jaw-breaking thing. You okay? I'm just picturing, like... He's not a nice wolf. I'm just picturing a giant-ass shoe. Like, he's just wearing, like, a giant elephant Clown size, shoe. <laughs> elephant foot-sized shoe made of all the discarded leather. And it smells horrible. Well, you'd have to assume it'd be super <laughs> thick and heavy because how else would you be able to weigh down that giant yeah. draw with just That's like what I one mean. Foot? Like, yeah, it's like a giant boot. Well, yeah. I mean, it's definitely pretty big. This boot was made for stomping, and that's just what he'll <laughs> do. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna pour one out for Fenrir. Sorry, me. <laughs> you I were like kind wolves. of a dick. You're <laughs> dead like, now. I like wolves. I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. I knew he it was wasn't a very nice wolf, though. He was a bad wolf. I know. Worse than the big bad wolf. Thor is pitted against the serpent, your moon gun deer. The great warrior will fight fiercely and find the strength within himself to best the Midgard serpent with his hammer, Mjolnir. But from his fallen foe, Thor will stride only nine steps before Venom stills his heart and lays him low. Freyr contends with Surtur and his flaming sword, and though the clash be hard fought, Freyr will perish for want of a sword, having given his to Skirnir, but not before mortally wounding Surtur. You're going to notice there's a pattern of a lot of people being strong enough to kill each other and then they die. Mm -hmm. That's just a thing. Just a thing. Loki and Heimdall, both extremely powerful, fight to their mutual demise on that bloody field as well. That's kind of badass. Yeah. Is anyone else picturing Idris Elba? Because, okay. Yes, yes. 100%. Can we just, like, holy shit, that might be the hottest Idris Elba has ever been. And, like, it's not easy because holy shit, but, like. Yeah. Yeah. The golden eyes are, are a thing. Like, it's a thing. He is a beautiful man. He is a beautiful man. All right, back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> a 
another great wolf named Garm will be freed from his bonds before the cave of Nipa. He will join the battle and face off with the god Tyr. Like Loki and Heimdall, they shall struggle until both of them are slain and the remaining warriors will meet a similar fate. While the battle is unfolding, Surtur's fire continues to spread across the land until everything not submerged in water is engulfed in flame. As all of the gods have perished, there is no one to hold up what remains of the earth, and the charred remains of the land slip into the sea. And then, silence reigns. It will be as if nothing ever existed. I'm sorry that you look sad. <laughs> makes me sad. Look, it, there's another version where things come back. I mean, global warming. So, flaming earth, yeah. Flaming earth, yeah. I mean, it makes me sad, but at the same time, it's part of life. Everything ends. Yep. Yeah. We had a good run. <laughs> Did we, though? Did, Did we? we? <laughs> I can't believe I just freaking stole a line from Thor Ragnarok before we get to the end of the story. That's great. <laughs> Did we, though? Did we? <laughs> All right. So now that we've devoured our main course... And savored its cataclysmic flavors. I like it. Uh Very nice. It's time for a quick break to cleanse the palate before dessert. Welcome back. I hope you're ready for dessert because it's time to get started. So, let's be honest. Generally speaking, we see the themes of Ragnarok pretty much everywhere in the apocalyptic genre. Mm Mm-hmm. Although we have a tendency to shift toward rosier narratives where disaster is thwarted at the last moment, think like Armageddon, Independence Day, most of the Terminator franchise, anyone? Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. But if you know me at all, you've probably known what the dessert was going to be from the moment I told you I was going to talk about Ragnarok. And as much as I hate to be predictable, I also really love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) (laughs) So let's dig into Thor Ragnarok. Yay! BTW, I'm going to spoil the shit out of this, but since it's been out since 2017, if you haven't seen it by now, I don't feel like you care that much. You've had enough time. Yep. All right. So while there are an abundance of changes made in Taika Waititi's cinematic version of Ragnarok, the core story that there is an apocalyptic prophecy centering on Asgard and that Thor has been having premonitions about this prophecy being fulfilled all kind of lines up. Although, let's be honest, Odin has a super backseat in this version of the story. So like Mm -hmm. things that Odin was doing in the original myth, they're like, no, no, Thor is going to do that. We don't need you, Anthony Hopkins. It's fine. Yep. (laughs) So that bit is fairly close, I think. But again, with shifts, because Mm -hmm. it's not called Odin Ragnarok. It's Thor Ragnarok. The prophecy still says that Surtur's flames will lead to the destruction of Asgard, which the film gets out of the way in the opening scenes when Thor, stealing a page from Natasha Romanoff's playbook, gets Mm -hmm. himself captured so he can then get information out of his enemy while the enemy's like, haha, I have the upper hand. I'm winning. I can say whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Monologue, monologue, monologue. Yeah. <laughs> you got to catch a monologuing and then you've just won the whole day. Yep. It works. But since this is a comic book movie, there has to be a catch. 
-hmm. Now, in this case, the catch is that Surtur can only cause Ragnarok by reuniting his crown with the Eternal Flame, which is at that moment safely locked away in Odin's vault back on Asgard. So Thor's like, "Mm, okay. But instead of, you know, thinking, hey, maybe it's a good idea to keep the crown really far away from the Eternal Flame, (laughs) Thor's like, you know what? I'm going to steal this and I'm going to take it back and put it in the same fucking vault. I will never accept this. This is a bad decision. But Thor's not that smart. He's pretty. So it's okay. That's true. That's true. No offense, Chris Hemsworth. I'm sure you're smart. I'm sure that you're very smart. Mm. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, okay. We're just going to be voicing that out loud. (laughs) I mean, I mean... I would assume we don't know. (laughs) I'm sure he is. I mean, he's good at comedic acting. I feel like that takes a certain level of intelligence, but Mm -hmm. he's not not taking himself too seriously. He's also good at being sexy, which is a totally different thing. Yeah, but it's true. (laughs) I'm not sorry. It's true. All right. So anyway, he decides he's going to steal the crown and port the prophecy by nipping it in the bud. And for the moment, it seems like that pays off. But then we come to a new issue. When he returns to Asgard triumphantly, he finds out Odin is not there. Loki has been masquerading as their father in Thor's absence. Mm -hmm. The changes just kind of keep rolling from there. So Odin ends up dying very early in the film, which causes his daughter, Hela, the goddess of death, to be released from the prison he's been holding her in for centuries. This is the amazing Kate Blanchett, correct? Yes. 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 Love Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Galadriel, super light on one side, Hella, super dark on the other. Kate Blanchett, you're a goddess. Either way. <laughs> yes, it's true. She is quite lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the myth, Odin dies trying to prevent Ragnarok, but here his death is basically just a catalyst to set it into motion. So that's a pretty big change, in my opinion. All right, now let's talk Hela. In Norse mythology, Hel, no uh, Hel, mm-hmm. is the daughter of Loki and the giantess Agarbota, not the daughter of Odin. I think Waititi gives us a nod to that by having Loki and Hela look incredibly similar to each other, while Thor more closely resembles Odin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you might say that Loki is burdened with glorious style, and I do frequently. So (laughs) I kind of enjoyed seeing her decked out in all of that gothic glory, but you know, whatever. It's fine. Mm -hmm. There's also a fun nod to that earlier in the movie anyway, because... Loki tells Thor he's not a witch, and then Thor's like, then why are you dressed like one? Because mm-hmm. he thinks he's so smart. Sick burn, Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Your outfit's terrible, Thor. Get out. You anyway. look homeless, Thor. <laughs> <laughs> That's really harsh, but okay. <laughs> Wasn't um, he technically homeless? I, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> Proceed. Sorry. Um, I'm not sure why the MCU added the A to the name, but my guess is that it's to distinguish her from Hell, the place. Because that would probably be kind of confusing for a lot of audience members. Yeah. All right. Now let's chat about the wolf, who in the movie is called Fenris, which is fine because there are some versions of like written Norse that call him Fenris, too. Sometimes he's Fenris, sometimes he's Fenrir. It's the same wolf, either way. Now, in the movie, he's Hela's loyal pet. 
whom she brings back from the dead with the power of the eternal flame. In Norse mythology, Fenrir is also a child of Loki and the giantess Agarboda, <laughs> which means he's Hel's brother. So he's not a pet. He is a brother. Well, it depends on the sibling relationships, I guess. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and say that the MCU was probably uncomfortable with the potential implication that there was bestiality taking place. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, how many people who went to see this movie were like, I know all about Norse mythology and I know that it is the product of Loki and a giant test that made this huge wolf. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. I get it. You didn't want people to think that Odin had sex with a wolf. Probably. (laughs) Uh, Plus, MCU Loki has no children, so they would have had to make Fenris Odin's child too, and that would be extra awkward since, you know, he's the one that eats Odin in the myth. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Now, another major change, aside from the addition of MCU characters like Bruce Banner slash the Hulk, Korg, Mick, etc., is that Heimdall, Thor, and Loki survive despite Asgard's destruction. And that's not to mention the fact that in this version of the story, Loki ends up fighting on the good side instead of on the bad side. Mm-hmm. Which I guess you could potentially argue is how they managed to succeed, question mark. But either way, that's a huge change from the original story because all three of them die on the battlefield fighting, well, Loki and Heimdall die fighting each other, which is kind of amazing, but that's fine. I think Idris Elba could take Tom Hiddleston, and I'm okay with saying it out loud. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I'd say the biggest change overall is that Thor realizes the only way any of the Asgardians will survive Hela's onslaught is to actually trigger the Ragnarok prophecy by placing Surtur's crown in the Eternal Flame. So while Valkyrie and Thor keep Hela busy, Loki sneaks back to the vault and puts the crown in the fire, restoring Surger to life, at which point he becomes a huge-ass giant and then starts setting everything on fire, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> Surger's flames destroy Hela and Asgard, and when Asgard is obliterated, so is Surger. So it still kind of fulfills itself to a certain extent, But here it's like, instead of still trying to prevent this from happening, we're like, actually, the only way we're not going to be completely annihilated is if we make it happen. Yep. And that's a huge change. Although, I feel like that's exactly the kind of thing that Taika Waititi finds hilarious. Like, hey, the only way to save the world is to end it. Let's do it. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, so I think it's got just enough tie-ins that you're like okay i can see like branches of the original myth in this story Mm -hmm. but it's not the same tree it's a different tree yeah i still like it though because let's be honest who doesn't (laughs) probably somebody piss off ghost (laughs) (laughs) hey thor do you want to use a giant fork Hammer oh, got you off. <laughs> Let's be honest, this is really only useful if you're fighting three vampires who are huddled <laughs> extremely close together. <laughs> so, anyway, that's uh, Thor Ragnarok, and I will stop doing lines from the movie now, probably. Maybe. I'll Maybe. think about it. I'll take it under advisement. <laughs>
But yeah, so I like to think that if I did wreck your life, kind of, when I was like, then there was nothing. I hopefully brought it back a little bit when I was like, think about all the pretty people that were in this movie and how we changed stuff. And look, Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. She smashes Mjolnir. It's it's awesome. And Thor She's gets sad. Amazing. Well, Thor <laughs> thinks it's sad. You know, I lost my hammer yesterday. So that's still fresh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't stop doing Korg's voice, even though I'm doing Thor lines now. That's normal. It's totally Where's fine. Where's your chair? I didn't get a chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I am a child. It's fine. Angry girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was uh, the myth of Ragnarok and also a bunch of nerdy shit. <laughs> I would apologize for it, but I'm not sorry. And you came here of your own accord. So. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into. You knew that I was Absolutely. like this. We're how many episodes and you knew. Right. All right. So does anyone have anything good that they want to share? Um, I know it's been like a whole hour since the last time we had to think of a good thing. <laughs> Do you have one, Emily? Did I ever tell you about the time I met Chris Hemsworth? No. What? Yeah. You definitely <laughs> I met didn't. A, I met him at a con. Uh, so it was Wizard Con in Cleveland a few years ago. And it was Chris Hemsworth was coming and you could pay extra to go mm-hmm. get to meet him and talk one on one and stuff. So I did. I was like, <laughs> yes. So I have, <laughs> actually have a picture of me with Chris Hemsworth. The dude is so fucking tall. I was in six inch like. OK, so I literally bought these heels on a stripper website. <laughs> Wow. Of course nice. you did, you <laughs> naughty minx. The only place I could find the shoes that I wanted. They, it was the only place that had stiletto pirate boots. But anyway, I'm wearing six-inch stiletto heels, and he still towers over me like two feet. He's huge. But yeah, I got to meet Chris Hemsworth. He was very cool, pretty chill, very tall. Like, they had screens up, and it was like you could see him over top of the screens when he walked behind them. He was so tall. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I know how it. tall he actually is, but he fell incredibly tall. He's got to no, be over six to feet. I'm going to Google it. Race. Yeah, he's got to be like 6'3 or something. Someone's shooting off fireworks again, and I'm going to go outside and commit murder later. So that's one. He's six, six three. foot three. Yep, 6'3. Called it. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston is just an inch shorter. 6'2. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Robert Downey Jr. is only 5'9. So that's kind of amazing, and I love it. He makes up for it in personality. He has such a big personality, you'd never know. Like Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like, less of a dick. <laughs> probably. Pro- probably. I mean, I don't probably know for sure. Probably. <laughs> like, Chris Hemsworth is probably smart. Listen, I think that it's hard to improvise. And I think if you can do it and you can do it well, which a lot of his scenes with um, Mark Ruffalo, a lot of mm-hmm. that was improv. Like their yeah. whole makeup after their fight, that was all improvised. None of that was yep. written down. Like you have to be kind of smart to be able to do that, I think. <laughs> my my something good. Oh, yeah, we're still doing that. Yeah. So this past week I went to Ikea, which is my favorite place in the whole wide world with my kids and we wandered around a lot and I oohed and odd over all of the different display rooms that they have of what you can do with all their furniture and stuff and imagining what my life could be like if I had unlimited money and could recreate all that kind of stuff in my house <laughs> and then went 
to the show floor to actually get what I came there for, which was bookshelves and a new desk for my office. And I went to get a slipcover for my futon. And of course, they didn't have anything there. And I was like, motherfuckers. <laughs> but then there were these giant moose stuffed animals at the exit. So I bought each of my girls giant moose stuffed animals. And when we got home, they were like, we need to dress them in clothes. And I was like, okay. And I handed them each like a baby hoodie that I had saved from each of them. That was like one of my favorite hoodies from when they were toddlers. And so now they each have a cute little moose. That made me think instantly of the Mitchells versus the machine with the little moose. And they're like, little wooden moose. <laughs> How I do you say you. I love you, moose? <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch that movie, Ashley. It's amazing. Okay, I will. I will try to fit that in between all the murder and such. I will squeeze in this movie. What's it on? Netflix. Netflix. Okay, I'll, I will do that. I have been. Whenever I have time to watch anything, I've been what like. Rewatching Black Widow over and over and over again. I gotta calm down, but I can't. <laughs> well, if you need something to just really lighten the mood, this is a pretty it's like, hilarious, happy, funny yeah. movie. So, yeah, murder. <sighs> Although I do like the scene in Black Widow where her sister—I can't remember her name—Yelena, Yelena is talking about. <laughs> you know, they just kind of pull it all out, and oh yeah, she's talking about getting <laughs> all of her lady bits removed. Yeah. <laughs> And then they chop it up and well, that's what throw they do. it away. Yeah. In the, so in the red room, Emily, they take out your uterus and ovaries and all of that. So you can't have any babies. So there's this scene where Alexi is being a total douche and implies, no, he flat out, I think, asks if it's their time of the month because they're not like, Are you nice on your period? And she's like, I don't get a period. They ripped all of my stuff out, like, and tells him all about it. And then he gets all disgusted. It's amazing. She's like, oh, I was about to start talking about fallopian tubes, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that could be my something good is I got to watch Black Widow a bunch of times because I got the premiere access on Disney Plus because I'm still too chicken shit to go public places because of things like... I don't want to... Things like the Delta variant that I don't really want to catch. Um, And even though I'm fully vaccinated, I know a lot of people aren't getting their shots still. But I think you should get your shot. I'm terrified Mm -hmm. of needles. I still got both of mine. I vomited from how stressed out I was. That's how scared I am. And I still did it. So you should do it. Just Mm -hmm. putting that out there. Yeah, I got to see it. I think it's really good. I think I've watched the whole thing three times now. And then I got partway back through it again the other day. But I didn't get to finish it the fourth time yet. But I think it's very good. So I like it. I liked it too. I like it. And I don't know why some people don't like it. But I like it. Damn it. So you don't get to ruin the things that I like by not liking them. I don't care about your opinion. (laughs) The only thing I wish is there would have been more David Harbour. That was the only thing. That's fair because he's awesome. But Alexi's kind of a douche. So, yeah. My good thing is I liked the movie and it was nice. (laughs) And I I like not having to go to a theater because I hate movie theaters. I actually hate them also. I like being able to pause things and know that if I go pee, I can come back and not miss stuff because it's like really not fair when you have to severely dehydrate yourself to sit through a movie because you have to pee. Well, and I don't like spending money while people are talking and being rude in movie theaters. I'd rather save that money. That's just me. If I ever happen 
to somehow win the lottery. I want this going on record. I am going to pay for you both to have your own at-home movie theaters, gigantic screens, big cushy chairs, like the projector and everything, so you can watch it as a theater, but away from everybody who sucks. Yay! That's a lovely fantasy. It is a lovely <laughs> it's fantasy. It's my big dream to be able to get you guys that. <laughs> I can see it now. Piss off, peasants. <laughs> Fair. All right. Um, so before we close up the restaurant for the night, I'm going to read a review from a very satisfied patron. Uh, so this week's review comes from someone with the username Lala Misham. The review is entitled Entertaining and Super Interesting. They write, every episode tackles such interesting myths and legends with such a fresh lens. The hosts are hilarious and have a great flow. So excited for future episodes. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you so much for thinking that we are entertaining and interesting because most of the time I don't think I'm either of those. <laughs> We're very glad that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Woo, woo. All right. I'm going to close up this bitch. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go home. What? <laughs> Thank you for coming to visit our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a universe-shattering slice of Norse mythology. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, the $7 Cryptid Hunter, and the $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAPP Pizza Pod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com. Don't forget, A-P-P. That's important. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.